Well, as you see up there, a nice little chalkboard image. It might bring back good memories. It might bring back uh, tough memories. Most of us uh, spent a lot of time in school. I spent at least 13 years going from kindergarten all the way to 12th grade learning all the basics so I could graduate from high school. And then I went off to college and I spent about five years learning speech communication so I could at least stand before people and be, um, I guess, a competent speaker, at least someone that could, could deliver some sort of message out in front of others. And then I spent three years in ministry uh, or, or working on my master's learning uh, how to do ministry. And so I've learned a lot of things along the way. A lot of subjects were very helpful to my life, like the speech subjects, the ministry subjects, learning how to do basic math and reading and writing, right? And then there were subjects that I don't even know why I was doing them. That's one of the questions I'm sure a lot of uh, teachers get. Why are we learning this, right? Well, I had to take one computer class while I was at A&M, and I didn't know what to take, so I just uh, picked, for some reason, I picked a class called Fortran. Anyone ever heard of Fortran? Some of you? Okay. Fortran is a dead, in 1998, it was considered a dead or ancient language. I guess some, some, pro, some things still use Fortran, but it's used a lot for uh, engineering. It's a, it's a computer language for engineering programs. And my, my Fortran professor, he was pretty interesting. He uh, lived, on, before he came to A&M, he lived on an island in the Pacific. And he worked on uh, the Star Wars program. Do y'all remember this back in the 80s? Uh, some of you weren't alive back in the 80s. So Mario, you don't remember this. But back in the 80s, Ronald Reagan came up with this idea of the Star Wars program, which was a nuclear defense uh, system, right? We were going to put on uh, nuclear or, or missiles that would shoot down nuclear missiles that Russia would send over to us. They never did, but we were ready if they did. And the guy back in 1998 said what would happen is they would send missiles over to his island and they would shoot up this, this, uh, this defense missile and it would take it out of the sky because of Fortran. Isn't that pretty neat? So it's good to have that that, that was uh, available back then. So hopefully that stuff works for us today. But I was a communications major. I was in no way an engineering person. And so Fortran was very difficult for me. And then I start thinking, why am I even learning this? I go to my advisor. I say, I think I need to drop Fortran. And he says, that's probably a good idea, right? He was a communications guy as well. There are some lessons that we need to learn. And then there are some lessons that uh, maybe it's beyond us and we can just do away with. When we talk about the essential teachings of Jesus Christ, when we talk about these teachings, these are things that we don't just need to do away with. These are things that are not just too basic for us. These are things that will change our life that will bless our life. We hadn't gotten to sing that, that song, Wonderful Blessed, Wonderful Love, uh, till, till, uh, since this summer when Joe taught it to us. I, I was so happy to sing this before our worship because it talks about the wonderful blessings given to us. And these teachings show us the path to these wonderful blessings that Jesus teaches us. 
I don't know if we fully can comprehend how great of a teacher Jesus was and how revolutionary his teachings were. I want to show you a little passage uh, that just kind of shows a, a bit of how powerful Jesus' teachings were when people listened to him. Now, Jesus was uh, creating quite a stirring, and, and the religious people of the day, the, the religious leaders, they didn't like it. He was taking attention away from them. And so they sent the temple guards to go and arrest Jesus. So the temple guards are sent over to arrest him, and then in John chapter 7, verse 45, it says, finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked him, why didn't you bring him? So they went out, they had one job, go get Jesus, arrest him, and they come back empty handed and they, they ask him, why didn't you bring him? And their answer, no one ever spoke the way this man does. So the guards who are around the religious leaders at the time, and, and that society was run by the religious people, they come back empty-handed because Jesus' teachings were so incredible, there was no way they were going to arrest that man. <laughs> and we see that all through Scripture, of what the crowds were th thought as they hear the message of Jesus. In Mark chapter 1, verse 22, it says, The people were amazed at his teachings because he taught them as one who had authority not like the teachers of the law. They'd been going to school all their life, but this is the true authority. They were listening to this guy, and he knew what he was talking about. And Jesus wasn't just this uh, incredible scholar that, that went to school, that, that got all of his knowledge at these great universities. No. Jesus was a carpenter's son from a small town. We, we, we talked about that, about, the, about the, the Christmas story, him going down to Bethlehem. Jesus was from Nazareth in northern Israel and goes down to this other small town to be born. But in no means was he ever educated like you would think the people of the time should be highly educated. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 54, it says, He returned to Nazareth, his hometown, and when he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed and said, where did he get this wisdom and power? Jesus spoke in such a way that transformed lives. And if Jesus' teachings are so incredible, how is it that we go through our life and rarely crack open this book until Sunday and sometimes Wednesday? How is it that we can have these incredible teachings, but we don't just dive into them? And so one of the greatest sermons that, not one of the, it's the greatest sermon that was ever taught, happened, and most of us have heard about this, it's the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus goes and teaches the people. And the type of teachings that he does, it's, it's an upside-down teaching. It's not like the teachings that anyone's ever heard because how he's going about it is going to turn the world upside down. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowd, he went up on the mountainside, he sat down, and the disciples came with him, and he began to teach them. Once again, Jesus is surrounded by a crowd, and this crowd is ready to hear the word of wisdom. 
If we look at the teachings of Jesus, the teachings of the Sermon on the Mount, this is, this is a, a, a pretty long passage. It, it spans a, a, a few chapters. And it's just of teaching after teaching after teaching, but it all has a little pattern and it shows us how we live our lives. So the first thing we'll see in the teachings is the thing that God values. And so we will have the kingdom values that Jesus, that Jesus is teaching us right here. And these are also called the Beatitudes. So the Beatitudes are the blessings. So most, most of us have probably heard something of the Beatitudes. It says, uh, blessed are those that, that uh, are, are poor in spirit. Blessed are those that mourn. They will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger for righteousness. So all the blessed people. And the Beatitudes, what they do is they embrace humility. What they do is they embrace meekness, mercy, righteousness and they challenge us from our, the from what our culture will push against if we want to be great our, our culture would tell us that we've got to be dominant of, over others and then jesus teaches no you have to be meek meaning you have to you have to be gentle of spirit it's not the argument that I used to do debate in high school and so you want to have the the best argument the most powerful argument but Jesus teaches us the true winner will be those that are meek and gentle and humble. So it's different than what the world thinks. And as we go throughout this, Jesus will tell us that we need to seek his kingdom first if we want these blessings. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom and righteousness and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. If you want blessings in this world, if you want the blessings of joy, if you want the blessings of peace, if you want the blessings of hope, you want to do what Jesus is saying. So we seek his kingdom, and sometimes that's by doing things differently than the world teaches us to do them. Not by making sure that we have our own, our own uh, we try to satisfy our own selfish needs first. But we see how Jesus can transform our life. And so these teachings aren't just supposed to be something that we read at night and say that's good wisdom. These teachings are supposed to transform our heart, right? Our heart needs to be transformed as, as, we, as we look at this. And so this is what the Sermon on the Mount is going to teach us. It's a transformation of the heart. And so he'll talk about things about how you've heard you're not supposed to murder, but I'm going to tell you, you're not supposed to hate your brother. So it's, it, it, it's, it, he's, he's equating these, these things as we would say, well, there's clearly a big difference between murder and hatred of someone. But Jesus is saying it's the hatred in your heart that leads to something like murder. And so he's saying transform your heart. And we'll learn all about this, and Paul will go into this a little bit in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He'll talk about what it means to be transformed. And so Paul says in Romans 12, 2, Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's good will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will all too often we follow 
what the world teaches us to do. We do what the world wants us to do. We, 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 we look for self-gratification. And yet Jesus is teaching us how to put his will before ours. Too often we will settle for things of this world instead of settling for something better. And we do that in every aspect of our life. Um, last month was my anniversary. And Mary and I were thinking about where we would want to go for our anniversary. And there's a restaurant, there's actually a couple of restaurants we really like over in Tyler that we don't get to go to all that often. And so we'll often go over there for our anniversary, but we decided this night that we're not going to go to Tyler. We're going to just eat somewhere locally. And we had a good meal, but last night Mary and I were saying we kind of didn't do justice to our anniversary. And why was it? We didn't want to go 45 minutes over to Tyler, right? And Tyler's traffic is bad, and we just didn't want to deal with that, especially around Christmas time. But we would have had an incredible meal over there. It's what we wanted, so we settled for something less. Now that's just a meal, and that's not a big deal. But think of how often we settle for less. We're at the beginning of the year, right? We have our New Year. Some of us have New Year's resolutions, but often we think, okay, New Year, new start. I'm going to start living healthier, eating healthier. And what happens? Cheetos look good as opposed to celery sticks. I don't know. So we settle. Even though if we didn't settle, we probably would be happy. We probably would be healthier. But we settle for something that's less. And what this teaching is going to do for us, the essential teachings of Jesus, are going to show us not to settle for something less. Because the things of this world are so temporary. The blessings of this world that gives us happiness, it, it's so fleeting and what Jesus is going to show us is look for something that he's going to bless you while you're on this earth. So it's not that we're just waiting to one day be gone from here, but he's going to give us blessings on this earth and eternal blessings. These teachings are going to help our family life. These teachings are going to help our friendships. These teachings are going to help us in the workplace. These teachings are going to help our church. These teachings are going to help us grow. And so we're called to live these teachings out. It's not just that we hear these teachings, but we live them out. And when we truly live them out, that's when we're going to find the blessings in this life. That's when we're going to truly let it transform our life. I want you to look at James chapter 1. Verse 22. Now, James is interesting because James is Jesus' brother. And so probably a lot of what you see in the book of James directly corresponds to Jesus' teachings. And, and maybe that is because uh, Mary and Joseph gave them these teachings all the time. And so James tells us in chapter 1, verse or 22, he says, Do not merely listen to the word. So deceive yourselves. He says, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at their face in the mirror and then after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what they look like. 
But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. I'm so thankful for mirrors. Mirrors help us see what's going on in our life, right? I don't know if any of you have ever heard this term, but uh, some people say that hair has memory. Have you ever heard that? Hair has memory, meaning that if you're laying on the pillow, then your hair can kind of uh, just keep that shape of the pillow. Well, not everyone's hair has as good a memory as mine. My hair does whatever the pillow says it does. Now, and I have to do something to keep it at bay, but every morning I wake up and my hair either turns into this weird mohawk, not a good looking one, not a good rock star one, looks more like a messy Cindy Lou Who from the Grinch. I don't know if you, just something weird in the morning. And every time I look in that mirror, I realize I've got to do something about this. I only want Mary and maybe the kids to see that. I don't even know want her to see it, but she has to deal with it. It's not perfect now, but it's a lot better than what Mary sees in the morning. The mirror shows us what's wrong with us and things that we can improve on. And what James is telling us is, how are you going to go and look at how you can find blessings in this life and not let it transform your life, not do what it says to do? And so this season, as we're starting this new teaching on the essentials of Jesus... I want us to really see how this will change our life. And most of us might be in this room and thinking, well, I've heard the Sermon on the Mount before. It's the most popular sermon ever. It's the greatest sermon ever. I've heard about the Beatitudes. I've heard about all the things that Jesus teaches us. And so while it might be good, it's not necessarily going to transform my life. And I would say, if you're thinking that, whether you're saying it audibly or not, you're not in the right place. Not in the right place spiritually. And I love how Jesus starts off this sermon. He does it in such a good way and he says the best thing he can for us that think we've got it all figured out. In chapter 5 verse 3 of Matthew it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that mean? The first thing we think of, what does it mean to be poor? All of us probably have different definitions of what poor means. When I was a little kid, I remember going to school and I would open up my lunch. We would all sit at the table with all my classmates and I would look at the bread (coughs) that I had on my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I'd look at the bread of all my classmates had on their peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I had whole grain bread that had seeds or nuts or oats all in it. And I saw my classmates with fresh, soft, white bread. And I thought, we must be poor because my bread can't be refined like these other kids. And we'd go home and I'd think, well, that's just our lot in life. We're poor. My mom says it's specialty bread. It was better bread than the other kids. And maybe it was, but I thought one day I'm going to work till I get that white bread. So now I can have it. 
So you might think poor is something that you can work your way out of, and that is a type of poor we think of. But this isn't the type of poor Jesus is talking about. The type of poor Jesus is talking about isn't something you can work your way out of by yourself. This is the type of poor where we'll see people in just deprived nations begging for food. People with disabilities that can't do anything on their own, that all they can do is beg for food and support. Not to get rich one day, but to just to get through the day. What Jesus is saying, for those that are poor in spirit, these are people that realize that they cannot work their way through their salvation. They cannot work their way through to get these blessings. They have to rely on Jesus. Fully rely on Jesus. Even beg Jesus to help them get through these days. And what he's saying here is if you are poor in spirit, you know you don't have what it takes to do this on your own. You need Jesus Christ and the sacrifice he gives you in this life. And so, when we go through these teachings, I want us to think about that. Not like, okay, I can accomplish that. I can do this easy. Not that we don't want to strive for that. But realize, as we go through these teachings, we do this knowing we need Jesus' help. Help when we're in mourning. Help when we're hungry. Help when we try to do the good things in this life so we can receive His blessings. We rely on Christ's help. So let's go through this lesson. Begging Christ to let us look deeper into this and have our lives transformed. These blessings will change your life and Jesus just wants you to reach out to Him to get them. He wants you to, to, to look to Him and He gives it happily. Jesus uh, is a champion of the poor, but He doesn't romanticize it. He wants people to get out of that lifestyle. He wants people to, to move forward so that they can rely on Him and they can receive His blessings so they can be blessed. You can receive those blessings today. You can have the blessings of eternal life. You can have the blessings in this life. You can give Him your life in baptism. You can die to yourself and raise with Him and you can receive all those blessings here on this earth and eternally. If there's anything we can do for you today, please come while we stand and sing.